You have to manipulate that algorithm. And the way you do that is through the way you go and engage. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about getting more leads, getting more deals, getting more properties through the method of organic and paid marketing, paid ads. And a perfect person to talk about that is Mr. Steve Cloward. So Steve, welcome on the show. I'm uh, Jason Lewis, and we have our co-host, Adam, AAA Adams, on as well today. Well, bad. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Great. Excited well, to be here. Steve, let's let's jump right into kind of how we normally started off, which is tell us about your first real estate deal or real estate transaction that you were involved in uh, that kind of got you started in uh, the path of real estate entrepreneurship. You bet. My, I grew up, my dad was a dentist, but his, uh, you know, I, for a lot of years, tried to get him to golf and find different hobbies, but his hobby was developing. And so he did a lot of larger type projects, more more on the commercial side than residential. He did some residential, but so I kind of, you know, saw a lot of real estate as I was in my teenage years and growing up and, and I always had interest in it. Um, and my, my very first deal was just kind of luck, to be honest with you. I became an appraiser, first of all, and was a real estate appraiser for 14 years. And you know, through just being out there, you know, and interacting with people, whether it be realtors or whoever, you know, the more you're out there and the more you be, the larger you build your network, I just found the more opportunities happen to, you know, come your way. And I actually had bought a, a German Shepherd from a gentleman, a pretty expensive dog and spent a bunch of money getting it trained up. And, and uh, long story short, she had this problem with the end of her tail about two inches from the end it kept getting cut for we don't even know how to this day and so he would take her back because she would just keep chasing this tail and reopen the wound and so he'd take her back for about 30 days because uh, he kept one of the siblings and she wouldn't chase it but as soon as she'd come back to our pro- my house literally get out of his truck it started again anyway so I, I built a relationship with this guy his name was Rick and Comstock and one day he asked me if I knew anyone that would be interested in buying a house he had. And it was a rental right here in Orem where I live in Utah. And uh, I said, well, tell me a little bit about it. And uh, long story short, he had a tax lien on it, had a tenant in there, had been in there for about four years. Um, and I said, well, give me the information. He told me the information and said all he wanted was what he owed plus that tax lien. Um, and that was about 118000 total on $160,000 valuation, the way it sat. So I said, oh, I think I'd be interested. So that was the first deal I ever did, and uh, kept that for several years and, and uh, went on from there. Awesome. So this came about because that you were an appraiser and he knew that was that kind of why he said no he well he asked me he asked me because he wanted to know what I thought it was worth and then if I knew anybody you know would be interested and even after I told him you know I just did a quick you know analysis with comps I didn't do a full appraisal on it but he told me enough info and I was like 
well, it's, you know, it's probably worth 150 to 60. And he says, well, all I want out of it is, you know, what I owe in this tax lane. And I was like, yeah. well, then I might be interested. And so that's what happened. That's a great story. And it also goes to show just always out there putting yourself doing, doing just normal life is, yeah. can be some of the, the best investments and best opportunities you get. So I, uh, raised, German short hairs and, and Brittany's growing up on a farm. Um, oh, cool. so we, we did the dog thing and a few of my deals, uh, this past few years have come through the dog network. I, I have one oh, litter cool. of, of Australian Labradoodles once a year now, um, oh, wow. now that I'm in Denver, not on the city or I'm in the city, not on the farm. I can't have active, uh, hunting dogs when I live on, you know, a little plot of land surrounded yeah. by a bunch of others. But, uh, yeah, that literally is how we've come across several deals is through selling dogs. My lawyer is bought a dog, two dogs from us and he, real estate lawyer. And so yeah. um, anyway, not to go into that. I, I think, yeah, I this. think that's where people kind of miss it. A lot of times is you never know who that person knows or what their yeah. situation is. So you always just, you know, Things come in crazy different ways. For sure. This is called the Creative Real Estate Podcast and and, uh, and and getting a, a dog turning into your one of your first real estate deals uh, is about as creative as it gets right there. So, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so you got into appraisal and uh-huh. then how, how would you say that's kind of helped you get to be where you are today? Like what's that knowledge and is it something you would maybe recommend? I know it's very difficult it's changed a lot appraisal with 2000 yeah. apprentice hours and you just can't go sign up for a course and get it is is that um something you'd really recommend people learning about or doing you know to be honest i don't have my pulse on it the way i used to my brothers i still have two brothers appraising that i got involved and they still are in it doing really well um i had a full-time appraisers at one point and four of them are down at st george and they're doing really well and um i know the one that was kind of our kind of gopher back in the day. I mean, I was, I started out back when we were taking literally pictures and developing and then gluing and pasting on the pages. <laughs> and, you know, he used to chase photos and he was one that had to go through things when they made the change where he had to get a bachelor's degree and, you know, and then apprentice for, you know, the 2000 hours, but he, he did it. It seems like they've changed that back a bit. I, I don't know the details to be honest, yeah. um, but it seems like it's gotten a little easier. We still have to definitely have someone that's willing to take you on. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, so it's changed a lot in the way I yeah. had my business versus what you can do now. Yeah. They, they've softened it a little bit, but I think without the college requirement, I think that's maybe where they softened it in some States. I think but you still right. have to have that 15 or 2000 because we wanted yep. to get uh, that launched up in, in the mountain regions of Colorado because we were having so much difficulty getting appraisals on both our broker clients and our personal investments we were buying and selling up there. But we, wow. we dove into the requirements and we were just like, Whoa, yeah. there was so no way to really, really hack at that. So um, it was way too easy. And then they went way too far the other way. Yeah, definitely. Things hit the fan. <laughs> definitely. So I was just curious if, if you advise that route to others or not, but well, let's, let's dive into what, why you're here today. And I think that's, yeah the marketing and organic and, and paid ads. So instead of talking big picture, let's go right into it and okay. have you tell us three to five top tips or actual steps that someone that's wanting to get 
paid ads for their brokerage business, for their investing, wholesaling, uh, like Adam, he's multifamily in a certain niche market. So how might someone within all of those aspects utilize today's technology and marketing tools that are out there? That's a good question. Um, you know, paid ads are obviously the fastest way, um, to get, get leads. However, um, a lot of people can't really afford to do that. It just depends on the kind of runway people have and, and what they can afford to do. Um, my biggest focus that I teach and, and where I kind of consult uh, entrepreneurs these days is, is really on organic. Um, I do paid ads for a couple of real estate clients for a couple other different industries. Um, and they do real well. I have two boys that uh, do insurance stuff and, you know, they're doing everything strictly off of paid ads. Um, but the organic, you know, especially in today's climate with the crisis we're facing, um, you know, it's really, I mean, really getting your brand and image out there is the key. Um, I think it was Grant Cardone, you know, said one time, you know, he with the most attention wins. That doesn't mean somebody with less attention can't win. It's really just saying anybody who's willing to get a lot of attention can win. Um, and I think that's, as I've worked particularly with real estate agents, that's who I tend to seem to work the most with. What I find that people struggle with the most is the stories we have in our heads of putting our content out there, particularly doing video or lives. Uh, but that's where the power is. If you're going to get attention, particularly on Facebook, you know, and you want to broaden that audience the quickest, you need to be going live consistently. Um, how, but I, let's let's throw some specific numbers out there. I know it's going to always going to be different for uh, individuals and states and sectors, but just ballpark, like how often is live not enough and is too much where you're burning the bridge where people are like, Oh man, not another live from Jason or Adam. Yeah. One of the big guys, maybe you guys know the name in the marketing world is Frank Kern. Okay. And so that's a guy that I really pay attention to a lot and I've engaged with him before. Um, And he talks about intent-based branding and to be honest with you, until a year ago, this last December, he didn't believe in social media. Meaning he didn't use it other than paid ads because paid ads did what he needed. So it was like, what's the point? He used to make fun of guys that were doing it, the organic stuff. And when he bought into it a year ago and started doing lives and doing it a particular way, obviously just provide value, but also make your offer when you're talking on your lives and be totally transparent and open about it. That's the way business is done best these days. Um, he literally did more business without ad spend two months in. So all of a sudden he's putting a couple hundred grand back in his pocket because he's a big ad spend. You know, he spends a bunch of money, but um, so from a standpoint of how much is too much learning what I've learned from him, it's, I just think that if you're providing value, you could do it every single day. It just depends if you're just going out there and, rambling and there's really not true value, then it's probably people are going to get sick of that. But if if you're truly bringing some information and some value to the table, I don't think once a day is not too much. Certainly. What are some examples of value add that real estate agents or investors wholesale? Well, that all is niche niche specific, you know, obviously, but um, you know, if you're 
say you're looking to buy single family homes, any information that you can provide in, in a live about what people can do maybe to increase their value of their property or how to sell it um, quickly without having, you know, the closing costs and all that. Um, you know, just any of the information you can provide that client you're trying to reach your ideal customer with things that will benefit them is really the key. And, and I think it's shifted more and more. Um, but it seems like people still have the scarcity mindset of giving stuff for free. And like, I have a closed, you know, Facebook group and I'm building all my content that I do that I charge for in there and giving it away inside there because number one, I know that about, you know, eight to 10% of the people are the only people that implement it. But I've always just had this mindset and I think I learned it from my grandfather that like if I have a business, you know, I used to be in the satellite business and, and it generated all leads that way when I learned that it changed that game big time. But I used to say, if I have 10 dealers right next to me, that doesn't make me nervous. That doesn't bother me because I'm the only person that can affect my business. And I just, I've always believed that and seems to serve me well because we're, I just believe we're our only competition because if you're serving your customer well, then it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing, you know? Yeah. So a lot of people say that you're, only competition should be you yesterday that yeah. your job Excellent. is to improve from you yesterday, you a week ago, you a year ago, you 10 years ago. Those are yeah. your only competition that you should be comparing yourself to because that's the only competition that you can truly kind of control. control. Yeah. So, I agree with that a hundred percent. But Yeah. And so live, um, a lot of tools out there to, to go live iPhone, mm-hmm. Max Pro, you know, all the different new phones yeah. and gadgets and selfie sticks. Any advice on how much time and money needs to be put into the actual equipment to go live and absolutely to do that? You can go live by clicking a button here in Zoom and go right live. You can, a great one that I've switched to, um, it's called StreamYard. That's a great platform to go live on. But I think, you know, I used to be guilty of getting hung up on, you know, trying to get all my ducks lined up and have all the best stuff. That's irrelevant to me anymore. Like, you know, you can see I don't even care about my damn headphones right now. I'm wearing pink headphones, you know. <laughs> but it's hey, like, good. hey, thanks. An iPhone is absolutely good enough to do video. I mean, I will shoot video that I use in funnels from my iPhone. It does the job. Um, in fact, a guy that I learned ads from, um, that some of you probably stumbled across online is a guy named Billy Jean with Billy Jean is marketing. He was my marketing kind of coach for three years. And if you have followed him, you see some phenomenal, incredible video. Um, another guy in the real estate space, Cody Sperber, he's got some crazy phenomenal productions on his videos, but it's been proven that that doesn't change conversions one bit. Same thing with same thing with uh, another example. You're saying quality is, of the kind of video, yeah, and the effort and the time and yeah. the cost. I mean, because Billy's done some high crazy yeah. productions like Willy Wonka, and they're dancing in the street right out in San Diego, and he's got all his staff, the Zumpa Loompas. I mean, crazy stuff. I mean, it's cool, but it doesn't it doesn't equate to more ROI. Same That's thing right. with a book funnel. 
you know, a lot of people have gotten into the book funnel, which is a great thing because you're giving that away free plus shipping. But Frank Kern, he's like the ultimate guy that tests stuff. He tested with the actual physical book versus delivering immediately an ebook, same content. The only difference he found was he saved 250000 in the cost of the physical books. So, you know, a lot of times we get hung up on things that, that keep us from taking action instead of just going because, you know, we've all heard it, that imperfect massive action is 10 times more important than perfect action because there's really no such thing as perfect action. Yeah, per- perfection is the enemy of complete. Dang so, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, and stories, Facebook stories, Instagram stories. How did that? How's that compare to live? When should you use it? When should you not? You know, um, when you're if you're post posting online? just you know text. I always yeah when I when I text you know do copy in a post. I will always share both you know, story and on Facebook. And so another thing um, is, I just lost my train of thought, but, oh, when I, when I do share in stories, it surprises me how much engagement on the stories there are because there's quite a bit. Um, and so I will, you know, always do both when you can. Obviously, if you have images or video, you can. But, um, and then also, you want to make sure that um, your settings, a lot of people get hung up on this. Your settings, if you want to have organic, you know, success and, and gain a bigger following, a bigger audience, your, your settings needs to be 100% public. It should not be private at all. So open everything up because you want the most reach you can get. And, you know, from an organic standpoint, there's a lot of strategies I can go into. Um, and, really the key to having something get traction over just other things is when people are real and raw, you know, I'm not, I don't hide my story and the hell I went through. We all have trials in life. And when I talk about addiction or prison, that stuff gets 20 times more engagement than anything else, you know, because it's real. All of us, you know, does does that engagement, uh, not pay off. That, that sounds like you would just be, but it does. Your pay story. Off. But okay. So it does. I mean, so when you're talking about that, cause like a lot of stuff can get engagement that it doesn't mean deals. It doesn't mean, uh, clients. So it sounds it doesn't like though, today, okay. but I can tell you that from the stuff that I've implemented and I'm consistently doing now, I'm getting deals consistently because people, you know, I, it might've been six or nine months since they first started seeing anything from me. I had a guy on my podcast the other day, a guy named Mike Claudio, and he consults contractors and stuff. That's exactly what we talked about. You know, you're always selling, even when you're not selling. You're out because the more engagement you get, the larger reach you get. And that's another thing from a standpoint, the Facebook algorithm, you know, used to be called edge rank. They only show you in people's news feeds, 25 to on the high side, 50 people of the, the friends you have, and that's the friends that have the most affinity, where you're liking and stuff back and forth the most. Outside of that, that's it. So how are you going to get a lot of eyeballs seeing you? You have to manipulate that algorithm. And the way you do that is through the way you go and engage. 
And groups is where it's at. Not only, and not necessarily saying people have to go start a group, but you can go and engage inside of groups and do things in a certain way. For example, if I'm looking for my ideal client, I'm going to, you know, typically I'm working three to five groups. And when I say work and what that means is I'll go in, a couple of things I want to tell, tell you really quick for your audience that will make a huge difference yeah. for them. How about maybe like the top three? Yeah. Like this organic. What's the absolute top three things that you need to be doing or starting to implement to help your organic reach? Perfect. Okay. This one, it has a couple of elements to it, but it's, it's one strategy. When you see some, so say you go into a group and you want to do a couple of things before you join a group. You want to see if it's active. You want to see when it was formed. You want to see how many people are in it and then how many posts uh, or engagement daily and then how many new members in the last 30 days. And it'll show you all that. All you have to do is click about on the group and then just scroll about halfway down and it'll pop up. Two boxes will show you that stuff. Uh, the date it started is on the far right. You want to make sure it's an active group because if, if it's not and there's no engagement going on, that's a waste of time. Once you find that stuff out, join it. As soon as you join, people don't do this typically. Write an introduction post and just introduce who you are, you know, why you're there, what you're looking for, you know, and keep it simple, but just be open and honest because that's going to get you seen. Then the people that engage with that, you know, check out who they are and if they look like they could be be positive to network with, you know, and you can stock their profile, obviously, and just hover over their name and it'll open a box to show you a little bit. If you're not getting what enough, click on it and go to their profile. Um, but then if you think there's somebody that could be good to network with, send a friend request right behind that. Here's like the ninja stuff right behind that friend request, go and send a DM, but don't just text that DM either do audio, but I would recommend you do video because I'm telling you, I've gotten three video DMS before and I can tell you all three of their names. I remember every single one of them because you're going to stand out. And that's really the key is when you're engaging in groups. And the reason they're so powerful is because if it's an active group, those people, if you're consistently engaging, and that doesn't mean always posting, it can just be commenting on others' comments because then you're getting more eyeballs seeing, seeing you. And then as you guys interact a little bit back and forth, it's creating affinity that then is popping you in their news feed. So you can, you can manipulate to be seen in hundreds and hundreds of news feeds. And so that's strategy one. It's very powerful. So groups, you know, people that watch the Super Bowl notice Facebook spent a lot of money on the Super Bowl talking about groups. So obviously they're putting a lot of focus on it. Number two is how do you utilize your personal profile? Too often people, especially entrepreneurs, we think our business page is important. It's not that important. It gets 0.08 organic reach. So unless people are running paid ads to a business page, it's a waste. So everything needs to be personal on your personal page. And having your profile set up correctly is very important. It needs to be very clear and concise of who you are and what you do. So, you know, your cover image needs to speak kind of who you are. 
what you do. Your profile image should only be you. You know, it shouldn't be an avatar, a cartoon. It should be crystal clear it's you. If, if you share it with a spouse, that happens sometimes. You and a spouse is cool. That's fine. But it needs to be just a clear picture. Then on the left side, when you see kind of the bio, I'll be honest. I'm going to be totally transparent. I used to be hung up on showing a bunch of different things and what I've done. That's negative as hell because that's really showing people, you know, for example, they might, they could think, well, geez, you used to do this, that, this, that, you know, how long are you going to be doing what you're doing kind of a thing. So it should be really concise and clear. Maybe four things tops, like, you know, I'm a realtor, you know, maybe where you live, if you're married, if you want. And really that's about it. So keeping that clear, because really that's your digital handshake. Even whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook, it doesn't matter. You need to look at profiles as your digital handshake and kind of first impression too. So, so the profile is important. So say that's number two. And then the third thing would be how to post on that profile. You need to think of it just like TV. Um, meaning when you're watching a TV show, you've got one hour episodes. Well, 40 minutes of it's the episode 20 commercials. So think of it. 80% of your content is for them your audience. And that can be, you know, typically in the morning, I would recommend it's always more of a motivational type, inspirational or educational, more later afternoon or evening. That's when it can be more entertainment or things like that. Um, But 80, 20 and the 20 when it's for you, that's meaning business. Now the key is that it's not salesy, obviously. So if I'm a realtor, for example, I might post a picture of the person that I helped just get into a new home and talk about them. But that's obviously a business post, and it's obviously showing your audience and everybody what you do. Um, so that 80-20 rule, you know, is important. Um, and then try to find when your audience, your ideal customer, is online the most. Facebook says uh, from on weekdays, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. is when people are on the most. And then on weekends, it's 12 p.m. to 1 p.m., just the one hour. Obviously, it's way more than that. And in our current climate right now, uh, with COVID-19, there's 30% more time spent on social than in the past. So that 80-20, just so you know, the strategy behind that is the consistency is going to get you more eyeballs. And then when you throw in some of those real authentic raw posts, where that's going to benefit you and where the reach comes in is by the shares that, you know, if you can create a post that really gets some shares, then obviously now you're compounding because you're leveraging the audience of those people that shared as well. How do you get shares? You know, it's just a crapshoot. People like your content enough that they choose that, man, that was, man, that was awesome, whatever. And the only time I see it, consistently is on those type of posts. You know, I've got buddies that a couple of them that had some stuff go crazy organic, like 40,000 shares kind of a thing. I mean, that's insane. That's pretty is rare. There, is there a method or a science behind getting shares? Is there something you do with your copy or your images that is more probable to being able to have other people want to put it in front of their friends? I've never read or found anyone teach or talk about a strategy that actually works to consistently get that other than this, just that raw type of post, you know, it's real personal and people just, you know, just, yeah, just resonates and hits home hard with people. Got it. 
Um, all very interesting stuff. So this is all on organic. This is all Correct. the um, what we need to do to get more organic. Um, looking at your Facebook profile, I see you have your banner image and it and it has an arrow. It says click here to get the thing. It speaks directly to your target avatar. Um, and then your Facebook profile picture moves around. It kind of starts to moving around. And I think that kind of gets somebody to say what's going to happen next. Like what, you know, it's changing colors or whatever. And so they, they're kind of being drawn in. And then it's a clear uh, call to action for your bio, for your Facebook bio. It basically just says, look, listen, um, check out how I can help you in a, in a one way or another. It says, check out how I can help you to um, start your own Facebook funnel. And you have your Bitly link. Why do you use Bitly instead of, you know, just the link out of curiosity? Um, I've done it both ways, but I try to, you're depending on where it's, it's being used, particularly on the left side where you can see the link, you know, without clicking a picture. That's just to save space, obviously. Um, but it also allows me to track, you know, that's the only bit.ly link for that funnel. I'm only using that bit.ly link on my Facebook profiles. So I know anything that comes from that, I can see the traffic. Um, you know, so if you're, if you start to do a lot of marketing, you obviously want to track where you're getting your traffic so you can obviously increase things and, in, you know, where you're getting the most traffic. But if you don't mind real quick, I think it's, this would be valuable to you guys and your audience. The Facebook profile funnel, people don't even, the majority of people don't even know that exists. It's pretty new. I'm just glad I learned it from one of my mentors. Uh, meaning what that is, is like you said, um, Adam is just, if you click on the image, even this brown profile image, it opens up the image and Facebook allows you to add a description. So you can have that for anything, say anything, and then you can drive them anywhere. You know, I've had it where it goes to my Facebook group to drive people and build that. So it's just a great way to capture leads for whatever you're doing. So, Got it. Got um, and it. obviously you nailed it on why that you know, that profile picture that moves, I just recently did that a week ago and it's hundred percent just stop people to get attention. Yeah. And, and with the bit.ly link, I think it's important to ask this question in case other people are saying, wow, that's great. I want to track my stuff too. Um, the question would be for, if you've got one website that you want people to go to the organic mach lead machine, if you want one, if you have that one website, um, how many bit.ly links do you have that may go to rec may go directly to the exact same website? Cause I, a lot of people Great hearing question. it might think that you only use one link. Uh, so yeah, take it away. And if you put a URL, the same URL in bit.ly, it's going to show it's already set up. So you're going to have to use something like click magic. That's another, that's where I use most of my links. Um, because then you can have multiple, different links. It assigns a link for each, you know, URL and subdomain. So you could have it be the organic lead machine.com forward slash whatever subdomain. So that way you can track, you know, 100, 200 different traffic sources if you wanted. Good, good deal. So uh, in general, if you have one place where you want them to go, um, how many places are you putting different um, either click magic links or bitly links? How many different places are you doing this on Facebook and 
paid traffic in five other places or what does it you look know, like? Obviously, the more the merrier, but I pretty much believe in trying to dominate and really master one platform before you move to the next. But so if I have, you know, links in, in say LinkedIn, just on the profile, which frankly it hasn't been updated for the last month or so, that would be a different link. So if I was driving to the same place, organic lead machine, I'm going to have a click magic link there so that I can see that it's coming from there. Same with Facebook ads. I'm going to use a different, you know, link through click magic to drive to that same URL, the custom domain, so that I can obviously see where it's coming from. Cool. All really, really good stuff. I thought we'd get uh, into a lot of detail on paid traffic as well. Um, so let me ask you a couple of questions, uh, just real brief ones. And what I want to understand is what's basically different between paid and organic traffic. So when you're doing your paid traffic, what's different? Secondly, I want to understand just some ad copy that you use to get people to follow through with your call to action on paid traffic. So what's different and how do you get them to uh, take action? Really the difference is just speed. You know, Um, if you're running paid ads, you can obviously get leads quicker, but it's a cold, definitely a cold lead, you know? So it's not necessarily people that already know you from an organic standpoint, you're, you know, you have that chance to create that no like and trust factor um, so paid, like I say, is st- strictly just to put gas on the fire, so to speak. Um, from a copy standpoint, like I'm, that's, I'll be honest, that's a weakness. That's not something I really spent a ton of time in or mastered. So I outsource a lot of that when I have copy written, but the key is, you know, the whole kind of model, if you, anybody that follows like Russell Brunson, it's always just hook story offer, you know, if you can keep it that simple, cause you know, and a lot of people might get hung up on what the hook is on a Facebook ad, for example. It is not text. It's the image or the video. That's got to stop them because in marketing, all we're trying to do is get people to take the next step. And then once they stop, then, okay, what is it in that copy that's going to grab their attention and hold them to read enough of it that then they'll take the next step to click, right? Yep. And then when they click, where are we driving them so that you know, and have we piqued their interest enough uh, from that copy or that video that they will give us their information? And a lot of times you'll have to exchange it for something of value to them. Yeah. Uh, so, I, so like just an example of what you're saying that will be valuable to anybody listening when they're thinking about how do I market? How do I do this? You know, foot hook story offer and everything that you do is only there to make sure that they do the next thing that you want them to do. Uh, an example would be if, if I was sending out letters to sellers and I wanted to get noticed. A uh, few things that you got to think of is what in the, what about the envelope means that they have to open it. What are you doing right. with the envelope? Is it, does it have a pen or money inside of it where they're curious? Does it look like a wedding invitation and not, and it's all handwritten? And so the main purpose of the envelope is I want you to open this envelope. So what do I got to do to do that? Yeah, and then the main, like it's junk mail and chucking it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then the main purpose of, uh, of the letter, the way it looks, what it's made out of, et cetera, is I want you to read this. So it's what did I do to my letter to say, you got to read this. And then what did I do with my messaging to get you to call me on the phone? 
And then yeah. what did I do on the phone call in order to book that appointment with you, Mr. Seller? And then what did I do at the appointment finally that made you uh, make a decision whether or not you were going to sell your house at a discount? It's, right. it's every step has to be intentional. And so that 100%. really was interesting when you were talking about um, with the copy, with the hook story offer, if you're doing it a Facebook ad, the, you've got to have some type of hook. The hook means why are they going to stop scrolling through things? What are, what's going to make them, I think, curious is probably the best word to yeah. use it. What's yep. going to make them stop scrolling? What's going to make them curious? What's going to make them actually start reading the ad and say, well, what is this about? And then what is it about the, the copy that's going to say, I'm going to take action on this? And then what is it about that next thing that gets them to be a paying client or uh, somebody who sells their house or somebody who invests passively in your deal? Does that, is that a good uh, summation of it? 100% nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. We are going to take a quick break, but I'm excited because when we get back, we're going to get into the final five and that's where you're going to shine. Hey, it's Adam Adams, and I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses the traditional way, you know it takes a lot of money. Putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus, you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses? A way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle. And best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full time. It's called Fix and List Deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the Fix and List strategy over the last four years, and he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the Fix and List strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. All right, we are back from break, and we have Steve Cloward on, and we're going to jump right into our top five questions, starting off with the most creative real estate deal, or maybe in your case, the most creative real estate ad or marketing a tool that uh, you've you've seen someone take advantage of. Oh man, let's see. The uh, probably the ad I think of comes to mind from a creative standpoint. One thing that I got hung up on a lot of a lot of times was you know they used to. I'll, I'll make this quick. Facebook used to have a relevant score, and you used to think your image had to really tie in to the story of the copy and things like that. That the relevant score is gone, but really the image doesn't have to have anything to do with the copy. Cause once again, it's what is it going to interrupt their pattern? What is it going to get them to stop? Right? So I used to do a ton of ads and I had an ad that was kind of evergreen literally for four years. In fact, I still run, I have two sales guys that still sell TV and, and we used to just have this, it was kind of a red background. It was just a chick sitting on a couch and it worked all the time. And about two years in, it started to kind of seem like it was getting stale. And so one of my boys, we came up with this idea. And I, it really had nothing to do with TV, really. But we put a TV in the picture. And then we had a picture of one of my boys in the back of my truck. And they didn't have their shirt on. And it kind of looked like what, you know, it basically was, it seemed risque, even though it wasn't. And it just, it got people like, say, what the hell is going on there, you know? 
and and it actually flipped that whole ad back. Same, copy stayed the same in everything. Um, and so that was probably most creative. I typically, you know, let other people come up with that stuff, but it, it worked, you know, so. So everyone needs to do some uh, extra push-ups and, and be, cardio while they're stuck Notice I said COVID, my so. boys were the ones in the picture. Yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, uh, next is a book, top book that you like to share or let people Oh, man. Uh, probably just because of what we've been talking about. The most powerful book right now to me that I could advise anyone on that is interested in, you know, getting better at their organic games, particularly it's called Viral Nomics. It's a fantastic book. The author slipped my mind, but I just finished listening to it the second time last week. It's fantastic. Great. Where do you feel the real estate or real estate marketing game will be in five years and where will you be at that time? That is a very good question with our environment. And I'm going to tell you what I believe based on somebody I respect a great deal and listen to. I was a guy named Alex Charfin. He was the guy who he was sitting next to the secretary of the treasury and when the foreclosure bust happened in 08 and 09. And he ended up creating a business where he was literally getting referrals from all the big banks because he made a huge impact on the real estate game. He, he saw it the way it really was where everyone else was kind of at the time talking, this may be a six month deal. So I've gone to school on that dude the last 10 days and it's going to be a lot different than 08 and 09. A lot different. Is Meaning, there, and, and this isn't a fair thing. It's going to be a lot worse. Um, so those that are in position to take advantage, you're going to be able to win big uh, because it's, it's ugly. It's really ugly. I'm interested that you say that and I'll just interject really fast because I feel like I've been the only one who says that coronavirus and just 2020 is not a two to three month situation. I have a lot of other, um, the other people, uh, that are in that are influencers and they're like, this will pass. It's going to be gone in two to three months. Um, New York, as we're recording is, is opening up uh, weeks earlier than anyone else. California is opening up weeks earlier. Yep. Uh, Texas is open up weeks earlier than anyone else dares to because they're trying to get revenue. And so that what they're doing is they're opening up to, um, to non-essential businesses. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, by the time this comes out, it won't be as specifically relevant, but um I've been nervous. I've been scared about what's going on in 2020 because I remember you you live in Orem. I yep. don't know if you've ever driven past uh, 317 East, 400 South, uh, but that's oh, yeah. that's my old triplex that I used to own right between BYU and UVU. Okay. And um, I owned a triplex there in 2008, and I ended up losing it in 2011. Um, so... To me, I'm more nervous about what's happening now than any of of the other influencers. So I think that's super, super interesting that you say that you've been following the guy um, who, who, who basically is saying that this might be worse than 08. Yeah, like I'm like you, you know, the reason I – latched onto him too is because he gives the data and shows you where he gets his data and then says, go do your homework 
and then come to your own conclusion. We all got to stop listening to opinions and all the BS news. And so number one, but his track director is what really spoke to me. I mean, cause he actually was a huge investor, went bankrupt in 07 because of what happened. But he talks about the huge opportunity in crisis too. And so it's not a fair thing. And you know, that reality will freak people out if everyone was really talking about it, you know, at least the majority of people, but that's why I really like it because he's given you the real picture, at least his interpretation based on data. Um, and then he's also talking about how this can be such a great time for entrepreneurs. You know, if you can see and, and make a paradigm, you know, whatever shift or pivot you need to in your industry or whatever to really capitalize. And, you know, some people think that sounds bad or whatever, but that's not because bottom line is how can we find a solution to help people in this time that because it's going to be really yeah. ugly. It's finding a way to add value and that period relays right over to the next question. He's added value to you. What's one thing that uh, you do to add value to others in the real estate community? Um, you know, really just try to give them as much information that I can from a marketing standpoint to help them position now because where I've struggled seeing people struggle is number one, we all get overwhelmed because there are so much that even just what we've talked about, that's a lot that people would wonder where to start. Um, but right now is a unique time that most people have never had. And so leverage that time and add value to yourself by implementing things that maybe you've put off or didn't because I know you guys, you know, are successful. You guys know the importance of the foundation. You know, the importance of the little things that most of us put off because we take for granted because they're little. And that means just even the 20 minutes per day that you're going to read or try to work on your mind or whatever that stuff. And like we talked about earlier, the organic stuff, like I don't sometimes get deals for up to a year, but everything I do today. So any value I can provide today to anyone, you know, specifically entrepreneurs, that's where I focus, you know, and that's just giving free content, free information, whatever I can. Like, I mean, I, that's what I enjoy too. I mean, I don't know anybody who, isn't lying um, if they aren't telling you that they feel good when they help somebody, you know, giving back is uh, more rewarding than getting as times they say around Christmas time. So, um, all right. Well, last one to wrap up one way, the best way that we can put in the show notes for people to be able to reach out and, and dive a little bit more about the marketing. Perfect. Best way that I like is just, Facebook. Find me on Facebook. It's just facebook.com, Steve Cloward. Steve, it was fun and interesting getting into your story, talking about how your father uh, was a dentist and also had this strange hobby of not golfing, but instead real estate investing and how that brought into your first deal in Orem, Utah, when you were an appraiser talking with Rick. And I really enjoyed some of the interesting uh, nuances about marketing that you discussed. And one of my favorites was specifically on being authentic, being your real self and utilizing organic traffic. Like that one guy 
who was spending $200,000 a month and all of a sudden his second month into switching to organic traffic after hemming and hawing and laughing at other people doing it, he actually made more money and saved himself that 200 grand that month. The 80-20 rule was very interesting, 80% for them. 20% to you and uh, learned a lot. That book, Viralnomics, is one that I'm going to have to look for and read. And um, I really appreciate your time. We're going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, keep thinking outside the box. This is Jason J. Lou Lewis, co-host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I want to say it's an absolute honor to have you as a listener, and we thank you for tuning in today. We also want to thank our sponsor, FixAndListSecrets.com. They have that great free video lesson, and in that video lesson, you will learn to never struggle to find or fund your next fix and flip deal again. Learn how to flip houses without ever taking out a mortgage or a hard money loan. You can now flip houses full-time and not have the risk of losing money in a real estate market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and this is it. Visit FixAndListSecrets.com. See you on the next episode.